Future Proof Extra with Jonathan McRae. Proudly supported by Science Foundation Ireland on News Talk. Uh, now, researchers at UCC have made a discovery in the role uh, the human gut plays in managing stress. Joining me now to explore the findings is John Crine, who's professor and chair of the Department of Anatomy and Neuroscience at UCC, uh, and he's with the APC Microbiome Institute as well. Welcome to the programme, uh, John. Um, we have been hearing lots of stuff from uh, the APC Microbiome Institute about the role of the gut uh, in all sorts of things. Can you can you um, maybe just tell me what's going on uh, in our gut and why uh, it's being referred to by some uh, and, and not by others as the second brain? Uh, well, first of all, thanks, Jonathan. Good to talk to you. Um, yeah, the, uh, the, the, the microbiome, uh, which is the trillions of microorganisms within the gut, has received an awful lot of attention over the last two decades, mainly driven by technological advances in sequencing technologies and algorithm development that we can actually, you know, really see what's there in the gut. And I'm a neuroscientist, so some years ago our group showed that if you don't have adequate bacteria in your gut, your brain doesn't develop properly, at least if you're a mouse, and um, that they have exaggerated stress response. We also showed that stress affected the composition of the microbiome and that uh, if we could target uh, the microbiome with various interventions, whether they're probiotics or dietary interventions, we could attenuate the effects of stress. So that was, you know, and we've, we've moved from basic uh, animal studies all the way to humans and healthy volunteers. And so that's been really exciting and, and moving journey uh, overall. Uh, and so we've, we, there's kind of now an appreciation among uh, most in neuroscience that uh, what's happening in the gut is really relevant for behavior uh, and for brain function. And that's uh, why sometimes people refer to the gut as the second brain. But it's also worth noting we do have more neurons in our gut than we do in our spinal cord. So uh, it's that enteric nervous system, which is really important for send, sending signals to the first brain, if you want. And uh, people are beginning to see in, from a variety of diseases, both in psychiatry, from stress-related disorders, to ir- irritable bowel syndrome, all the way even now to neurology, to Parkinson's and Alzheimer's, a, a relationship uh, between the, the composition of bacteria in the gut and, uh, and brain and behavior. So before we go any further, you, you, you mentioned stress there. How, how do we define stress? Because it seems to me sort of like a, a very abstract uh, idea. Do we have a model um, that, that accurately represents stress in, in humans? Yeah, so, so stress is, it, you know, can be quite subjective because, you know, the, the, the person who coined the term stress is like a Hungarian scientist called Hans Helje, and he, he said it's not stress that kills us, but it's our reaction to it. So when we're talking about stress, we're often often conflated with how we react to a stress. So a stressor is a threat to our homeostasis, to how we are uh, overall. And uh, in um, in animals, we can do this in a very controlled way, but we also have human models. Um, so one of the ways we do it in animals, for example, is we use um, a, a bullying mouse uh, uh, who basically likes to 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 be a threat to a, to a, another mouse, and they have a, a how do you a, how do you get that mouse? 
So, so uh, mice themselves are quite territorial. So if you put a if you put a a, a new mouse into a, a, the place where another mouse is, they'll start a uh, to have a, a fight, and then one will win, and that's the that's the the bully mouse. Right. And then okay. w- what what we do is in a kind of to almost like a workplace bullying approach is that we keep uh, them in sensory contact. So we, we put a, a barrier between these two mice. And so the mouse then can actually go through the whole day with being afraid that this other bully is going to do something to them, even though they're in the cubicle next door and they can see them and smell them and sense all of their, their. so we can do that for a number of weeks and that creates a very stressed uh, animal. Right. Okay. And so um, in that environment, the poor mouse, in that environment, uh, you then can see physiological, physiological changes, presumably, and also changes within the, the bacteria of that mouse. Yeah, and, and that's what we, we and others have shown. And also in the immune system, uh, as a driver of this, we, 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 it drives a pro-inflammatory uh, phenotype and it, and it causes widespread changes in areas of the brain uh, that we are particularly interested in, uh, like the amygdala, which is a region of the brain that's quite sensitive uh, to distress. Why would we develop a gut that did any of this? I mean, you, you talked about the neurons in the gut being uh, more bountiful than, than those in our spinal cord. I mean, if we, if we think about, you know, a real diversification, it would be great if our stomachs really just did the job of converting food to food and water to energy, protein, nutrients, and so on. Why, why do you think we developed a, a, a relationship between our guts and our brains? So what's really important to remember is that the, the microbes were there first. So it's not that we developed the microbes to, to – uh, it's that we developed our whole systems and evolved around what the microbes can do. And if you even think of a cell in the body, a neuron, the, the uh, mitochondria, the powerhouse is just a microbe that got lost. And so, so we have evolved always. And so there's never been a time where the brain has existed without microbial signals. And so it's been able to do that. And, and there's been some really intriguing ways that, that, that this is still very obvious in nature, like how the gut harnesses the, the goodness out of uh, human breast milk. The milk contains sugars that are very, very complex. And this is not broken down by the infant, but broken down by the microbes. And so that type of synergistic uh, cooperation, uh, there's numerous examples of it. And so what we're seeing is that some of the ability to sense um, threats and to be social uh, uh, in particular uh, are still uh, resolved uh, around gut to brain uh, signaling. And, And it's probably also to do tied up to digestion because, you know, when we're uh, stressed, the last thing we want to do is sit and have a fancy meal. So you kind of, you know, there's always that way of shutting down uh, and there's a clear neurobiology link between uh, the uh, basis of of food intake and um, anxiety and stress in Mm. general. So it's probably hardwired in evolutionary terms and the microbes have have, uh, kind of help scaffold that relationship. But when we uh, talk about the gut, we, we usually fixate on the bacteria and we don't often think about uh, the viruses, of, of which there must, of course, be many. And, and that's what you did in this particular study. So what viruses do we have in our gut? Are there good viruses as well as um, good bacteria? Exactly. And, and, and so, so, so the viruses we're particularly interested in are, are called uh, bacteriophages. They're the most predominant viruses in the gut. And these are viruses that 
tackle bacteria and particularly are good at keeping bad bacteria at bay. And there's almost a, a, a an ongoing warfare in your gut happening every second of the day in between viruses and the bacteria. And the viruses are, are the most, these gut viruses are the most abundant uh, cells in, 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 in the entire universe uh, overall. And uh, we're only beginning to really scratch the surface of understanding their biology. This is driven by issues we have in annotation and, and quantifying them. But, um, and so we're very fortunate here in APC Microbiome Ireland to have uh, Colin Hill, as a, uh, who's one of the world's experts in this. And so for this study, I decided to collaborate with Colin's group to see first, does stress affect uh, the virus composition? And then can we get at some causal mechanisms? And, and so what did you find? So we found first um, that not only does chronic stress uh, change the composition of the bacteria, it also changes the composition of the viruses. When you say so composition, kind of, do you mean do you mean like num- number of viruses numbers, or numbers? The, We're right, able to okay. quantify them relative r- relative abundance uh, right. of these uh, of these viruses of the ones we can annotate. And this is fast moving. And uh, you know we we discovered this a number of years ago, and then we you know all of the the, the nomenclature changes, and we have to update that continuously. But it was really cool. To, to, to see that. And then we wanted to see, well, how do we know is that causally relevant? This could be an epiphenomenon. It could just be an artifact of the gut physiology changing and other things changing due to stress. So we went and um, uh, we decided to take the fecal material from an animal prior to the stress. And then while that animal was going through that bullying type stress, we were giving them back their own um, viruses in, a, in what we call a fecal virome transplant. And that allowed us to basically restore, keep the, the virus um, levels, uh, uh, appropriate virus levels at, at a momentum throughout the stressful period. And because each uh, animal has a very different bacteria, they, uh, they, also have different, very personalized approaches to their own virome. So, so, so we were able to, by putting their own back, we're tackling the bacteria that they have within their gut and have evolved within their gut. And uh, in doing so, then we could challenge uh, to, to see how does that animal deal with certain acute stresses? How does it deal with, with, with uh, anxiety-provoking um, situations? And uh, how does its immune system change? And how does its brain change? Okay, so just to catch people up, we're talking about um, the effect of stress on animals. And we have two mice, uh, a mouse that is uh, stressed and a mouse that is uh, the stressor, uh, the, the bully in the situation. And John, you, you've proposed that taking fecal matter from the mouse before it's gotten stressed and then transplanting that after the stress may have an impact what did you find in terms of the mouse's ability to regulate stress or deal with the bullying after you re-implanted the, the fecal matter of the non-stressed mouse to the then later on stressed mouse? And, and it's not just uh, the fecal matter, but it's, we filter that to just get the viral component of that fecal matter. And the, okay, so it's not the fecal matter at all. It's just the viruses. It's just the viruses. It's just, it's okay, a, it's all right, okay. It's just, the, it's just the viruses. So, so we're able to get rid of all the bacteria and get rid of everything else, and it's just the viruses that we're putting back. So that helps us to prove ca- causally that it's the viruses that are at play. And okay. so what, what we found was that uh, when, when these stress mice, normal stress mice, when you give them an opportunity then to uh, explore uh, an area where there's another mouse that could be a bully mouse, uh, that they will avoid that mouse completely when they're stressed. But if they 
been given this fecal viral transplant, uh, they didn't avoid uh, in the same way. When we look at them in, in models of social behavior in general, so uh, these stress mice aren't able to, to distinguish between a known mouse versus a new mouse uh, as well, but the animals that have got the fecal viral transplant could. We look at a maze wow. called a elevated plus maze, which has a, a bright exposed area that animals like mice don't like. Uh, to explore too much. And if they've been stressed, they really avoid this open, exposed area. But if they've been given the fecal virum transplant, they went and explored it and were a little bit more reckless, shall we say. Um, so it was remarkable at the behavior level. We then looked in the brains of these animals in, in, in key brain areas that are involved in stress, in particular a region called the amygdala and a region called the hippocampus. And we did uh, RNA uh, sequencing, so transcriptomic analysis, and we were able to show the signature of stress and all the genes in these brain areas was very evident uh, in the stressed animals. But when they had been given this fecal virum transplant, it kind of reverted the, the, the brain back to a control uh, animal's brain wow. in, in many ways. So, so, so I mean, it, look, it was really obviously, remarkable. Obviously, um, your mind simply goes straight to human beings. Um, yeah, of course. But how powerful is this model realistically? You know, the stresses that mice feel. How much of they? How much of that is really an analog for how we deal with stress? Um, and 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 do we have any evidence to suggest that using this approach with human viruses uh, may help them deal with anxiety or stress in their lives? And that's a great question, Jonathan. I mean, I guess the validity of the model is based around uh, predictive validity, that we know that medications that are useful in people with stress-related disorders, in particular antidepressants, uh, are work in these models and attenuate some of this as well, uh, as well as other uh, interventions that are, are blocking stress. So, so that helps us know that it, it's, a, it's a robust Good model. It's quite a severe model in in general, but it's not on, in, analogous to. It, what's good about it is that it's chronic. It's repeated, and people who suffer from stress related disorders, it's everyday stressors. So, so the most analogous is to kind of workplace bullying, where someone is feels that they're threatened by their boss or colleague, and they have to sit beside them or in, interact with them every day, yeah. uh, and and that can cause lots of of, of stress related uh, phenomena. So uh, the model is quite robust and has been used and developed for over 20 years. So, so the model is good. Uh, the readouts that we have in animals are very specific to the animal, but we, we have similar readouts. We can look in, in humans about how their behavior is and how they have, make choices and how their valence is towards specific threatening uh, situations. In particular, we can look at threatening faces or, or various other approaches. And then the question you have about whether we could ever have fecal virome transplants or tackle the virome uh, for uh, humans. Well, that just requires um, more research right now. Yeah. Um, one wow. issue I will raise and is uh, it, it's a pro and a con. So on the con side is that everyone's bacteriome in their gut is, is quite specific. And so therefore the viruses that each person has is quite specific to that bacteria uh, that people have. And so what might work for one person may not work for another. Um, but on the positive side of that, it gives us a, a sense into personalized medicine approaches. And we can never predict when we're going to be going through stressful situations, except if we're an airline pilot, if we're a student undergoing stressful exams, if we're training for the guards, training for the guards, yeah, as we yeah. saw this week, a lot of, you know, these, these are things. So there are situations where it might be in the, in, 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 uh, useful in, in the future to be taking pills with your 
virome, uh, pulling back your virome uh, as you undergo a stressful situation to help you deal with this uh, overall. Wow. But that needs, I mean, it sounds out there right now, but it, no, needs, it, does sound it, out it, there, but it needs validation overall. Absolutely. I, I'm, but just the concept of it, the idea that um, th- that the introduction of our own viruses, our virome, as you call it, might have an effect on, on our ability to deal with stress. It's absolutely fascinating. Professor John Cryan from UCC and the APC uh, Microbiome Institute in Cork. Thanks very much for your time. Thanks, Jonathan. Future Proof Extra with Jonathan McRae. Proudly supported by Science Foundation Ireland on News Talk.